Hello and welcome to the Perfect Gentleman podcast. My name is Zach Vaughan of Arfield. I am 1PG, the founder of The Perfect Gentleman, and alongside me today is more than Mr. James Marwood. We are graced with another special podcast with a fantastic cornucopia of gentlemen and ladies of the men's and style world. Our favourite perfect lady, Leah Morrigan. Hello, Leah. How are you? Hello. Thank you. I'm well, thanks. Um, the indubitably styled Mr. Brian Sheridan. How are you, sir? Excellent, excellent. Hello. The dapper and charming Mr. Grant Harris. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm well, thank you. And the Italian debonair Mr. Dre. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm great. Thank you very much. And last but by no means least, my erstwhile colleague, partner in crime and man about town, Mr. James Marwood. How are you, sir? I'm very well, my friend. Yourself? None too shabby. None too shabby. Recovering from a cold, so I apologise if I cough intermittently. No problem. So today I am going to be the role of ringmaster, and I shall be uh, asking a provocative series of questions to get the conversation going, and I shall try and curtail everyone so they can speak evenly as much as we possibly can. We'll try and make it a nice conversation for everyone. A bit like question time in the UK here, so everyone gets their little a couple of seconds of air time and get their best quote out for their newspapers tomorrow morning. Today's topic, we're going to talk about the gentleman and the modern gentleman and his place in the world. So my first question to launch it off, is there a difference between a gentleman and a modern gentleman? James? Possibly. I think the world is different now to where it was when my father or my grandfather or, or earlier men would have been would have been in. In a lot of ways, it's a better place. You know, we have far more recognition of equality gender, racial, etc. And that's a good thing. And I think that a modern gentleman understands that and respects it and behaves in line with that, as any good person should. But I think that the core tenets are probably still the same. Respect, about care for others, about expressing that care for others by self-respect and showing care for yourself. I think those things don't change. Leah, what are your thoughts? I think I agree with James. I, I was thinking about how different the world is now compared to, you know, 100 years ago or 80 years ago. And although the world may be different, I don't think the gentleman changes. I don't think that his behavior should necessarily change just because, say, technology has changed, for example. We still have the same rules that we need to go by, you know, respectfulness, courteousness, kindness, and helping other people. That's kind of universal. Grant, what are your thoughts, sir? Uh, I have to concur. You know, there's really nothing new under the sun. As much as we uh, labeled today as modern. Uh, 80 years ago, they were modern compared to 100 years ago. The tenets of respect have not changed in my estimation. The only thing that has changed are the channels in which those uh, things, like Leah mentioned, respect and kindness and, and empathy, the channels in which those things are distributed have changed due to technology and thus. But the heart of the situation and the core of it is still the same. Communication understanding, togetherness, treating one as you would want to be treated. These types of things have not gone away. People still want those things. People still desire those things. The only thing that has changed is the way that they are delivered, how quickly they are delivered, and then the method and then the channel. But overall, I think it's still the same. Okay. We seem to be all in agreement. Dre, have you, have you got a thought? I'm just going to add something simple, which is, for me, being a gentleman is uh, more about the sort of the core set of values and frameworks that you use to inspect the world and behave accordingly. So it is timeless. You might do slightly different things or it might be applied in different situations. 
but ultimately it's more about than what you do it's how you decide what you do okay uh, brian round up with you sir i agree with a lot of the, the sentiment about how we're more inclusive and there's more opportunities for everyone to join this and uh, i think if we would look to the past that would be too exclusive it would exclude too many great people, wonderful people that can add to this movement in that. I definitely think that technology has really, uh, it's upset and changed everything for the good and the bad. And I think the, the modern gentleman has the technology that obviously his predecessors didn't. And that can also be used for good or bad or using it improperly. Or what we're doing is broadening our message, expanding our message, reaching more people, reaching people everywhere who otherwise wouldn't have heard this message. So I think that's a big change. Hmm. I think it's very true. We seem to be all in agreement that the modern gentleman is really no different than the original gentleman. Certainly for us, as a perfect gentleman, one of the things that we battle all the time is the image problem that a gentleman has. It is somewhat perceived as posh, elitist, snobby, disconnected from reality, certainly in the UK and, and true in long runs. A, why do you think that is? And B, what can we do to counter that or change that opinion? I wonder what we can do about that. Dre, what are your thoughts about that? I think it's part of the price that we pay for what it is that we strive for. We are aspiring to something greater, to some ideals that are difficult to pursue. You know, inevitably, they're not easy. They don't come easily. Um, that's why they have to sort of be learned and practiced. I think immediately that puts people ill at ease and, you know, an easy way for them not to feel bad about themselves that they're not doing any of these things is to dismiss it as hokey, cheesy or out of touch. That's because they don't want it to reflect badly on them, because if it is a good thing and they're not doing it themselves, then that sort of reflects badly on them. In my approach, I just try to be as inclusive as possible and make people realize that it is not about comparing yourself to others, but it's simply about having a measuring stick to try to improve oneself. You know, you're only measuring yourself against your previous self in time as opposed to trying to compare to everybody else. Leah, what do you think? Anybody can be a gentleman. Because you're English, you'll understand this. And I'm from the colonies, so you'll also understand this. It doesn't matter what class anyone is from. It doesn't matter how much money anybody makes. A gentleman is a gentleman no matter what. A gentleman for me comes through most strongly through his behavior. It doesn't really necessarily depend on how you're dressed, although of course if you're dressed nicely that will do you better, but anyone can be a gentleman. All you need to do is behave a certain way and people around you change. People will respond to you differently. Whether it's high-born, low-born, you can still be a gentleman. You can still gain people's respect. Brian, what are your thoughts? Well, I think you're never fully dressed without a smile. So that's one thing that <laughs> we can all have on, whether we're dressed nicely or casually or formally or whatever it is. But I think the problem uh, lies in a real lack of role models because the perception that gentlemanliness doesn't sell conflict today sells it's the grim it's the gritty it's those sort of things that we are exposed to in the media it's considered you're not strong or you're not a leader if you're polite and charming and you're seen as almost as a like a lightweight in the modern media we don't have a cary grant character really uh, anymore 
uh, or Fred Astaire or things like that. I just got done watching Batman versus Superman or Superman versus Batman or whatever it was. And it was just grim and dark and sad. I think to be a modern gentleman would be to be able to relate and bring about joy and bring people together. And that doesn't quote unquote sell in today's media marketplace. And everything copies, nothing succeeds like success. We see just constant copying of that things. It'll be someone who does something with a gentleman in a gentlemanly manner, a charming manner that will all of a sudden break that tradition that I think we'll start getting back to seeing more of that and thus more people wanting to emulate that. I agree with your points. Grant, what are your thoughts, sir? Going to Brian's point about today conflict selling, which I wholly agree with, what I think may have been missing from that argument was that there have been many gentlemen, quote-unquote gentlemen throughout the years, that were heavy and knee-deep and chest-deep in conflict, FDR, uh, Winston Churchill, which many people would say these were gentlemen, but they were in the heart of conflict, not necessarily something that they uh, wanted to start on reality TV, not something from a, a DC comic movie, but that was conflict. The way they handled that conflict, and what I think Brian was getting at, which I, again, 100% agree, is how they handled that conflict as gentlemen. Superman and Batman not necessarily handling it as gentlemen. They're just trying to beat each other, be the strongest, fastest, all of that, which is not gentlemanly behavior. So it's interesting to see going throughout history, you go back even further uh, to uh, Gandhi, uh, go to uh, Martin Luther King, and even into religion in terms of folks that handled themselves in a gentlemanly manner while in conflict, and it made them greater men overall because of how they handled that, that situation and themselves and their lives throughout conflict, if that makes sense. Absolutely. James, I shall let you wrap up this question, sir. Selling conflict is quite easy. It's one of the reasons why we see in a lot of the media this kind of risk-averse attitude in, in Hollywood and TV studios and in movies where we don't want to try and sell things which are potentially risky. It leaves quite a lot of people underserved. We know from the work that we've done with The Perfect Gentleman and from things we see elsewhere, that there is very much a desire on the part of people of all kinds for something more than that brash, loud, reality TV, me-first attitude. A lot of people like it, and it sells, and it's easy, and you can probably get 60% of the market with that, no problem. But there's a lot of us who want something a bit more, and a bit more considered, and a bit more thoughtful, and more gentle. That isn't well served by the mainstream media, for want of a better term, which is good for us because it gives us a gap to fill and a, and a voice to talk about. There is still space for that kind of discourse, that kind of public speech. We undersell our fellow listeners and the people we interact with if we don't recognise that. People want and need voices which are more gentlemanly and more ladylike and more mannered and more considered and more open. That's important to me. Following on from that point, which is really interesting, there's two things that spring to mind. One is, do you think we'll ever have another Cary Grant? This year, 2016, has been the year of the deaths of lots of very interesting and great people. Gene Wilder passed away earlier today when we were recording this podcast. We don't seem to have, we come back to our previous conversation about role models, we don't seem to have those gentlemen who transcend everything. Do you think we'll see another Cary Grant in our lifetime, Brian? Cary Grant's a completely manufactured character. Archie Leach always said, you know, everyone wants to be Cary Grant. I want to be Cary Grant. 
the last person we really saw to do that, I would say, was probably like Pierce Brosnan. He was called the new Cary Grant. And to a certain extent, I think uh, Hugh Jackman fills that role as well. He seems to be quite a gentleman. Would there be an audience for that today that would be large enough that would constitute bringing out someone like that? I, I don't know if that's the case right now. It's often that someone will just, it'll catch fire with an audience and it'll grow. But in terms of everything is mass marketed now for, and especially the foreign market, where they don't even want lots of dialogue. One of the hallmarks of a gentleman is someone who can speak properly. And dialogue is such an important part of old movies. But now, because the market in movies and, and television is such a foreign thing, they want action. So, you know, I, I hate to sound like Debbie Downer, but I don't know if we'll see a, a new Cary Grant type character relatively soon it might be one of those things that happens on accident okay anyone else want to jump in on that one i don't know if carrie grant was a gentleman or not i i never met him i've read things that he's written he didn't he didn't write a lot i've seen his movies but in a movie he's he's a character how do we know and it's a rhetorical question but how do we know that carrie grant was a gentleman and i think that we believe and we once believed that he was a gentleman because he dressed appropriately, because he was clean shaven, because we didn't see or hear of him being a naughty boy outside of movies. But I don't know if he was a gentleman or not. What his daughter has written about him has been mostly focused on his clothing, at least that I've read. I don't know if he displayed that behavior on a consistent enough basis to fill the description of what we agree as a gentleman he does certainly from the image standpoint that's probably something else to, to chew on whether or not he was an actual gentleman in practice or whether he was just a gentleman in image okay anyone else when we talk about what makes someone a gentleman and we focus on dress and things like that and on, on how they act and, and the manners and the style. But I think there are celebrities today or people in the public eye who do some really good things. There was something I was reading earlier today about Akon, the R&B singer. He set up this really interesting charity in, in 2014 uh, about um, electricity and solar energy. He's given electricity effectively to 60 million people in Africa through this company he's founded, which then led to a, a partnership with, with Chinese solar energy providers. Whichever way you cut it, that's a wonderful thing to do. We can say that we don't necessarily have role models and people like as stylish and elegant, as charming as Cary Grant, but there are people who we can look to and say, that's a good thing they did, well done. It just always doesn't always make the media quite the same way as some pop star getting in a brawl or a footballer cheating on his girlfriend. Our wonderful partners, The Cravat Club, provide luxury silk cravats, scarves and pocket squares. Designed and handcrafted in England. So compliment your style with a touch of sartorial elegance with these 100% silk cravats, scarves and pocket squares, which are an ideal addition to evening or day wear for a sharp and refined look for the distinguished gentleman. Head on over to their website, www.cravat-club.com com to grab yours now conflict which is really interesting is something that we come across quite frequently and we dispose this myth as much as we can but is that concept that being a gentleman means that you're effeminate weak too nice nice guys don't finish first they always finish last that concept seems to perpetuate and partly as brian mentioned it's, it's that the media side of things 
Dre, what do you think about that? It is a complete false correlation because the original gentlemen were, as a matter of fact, sort of knights. They had a very, very uh, large military and conflict sort of component. But uh, there's other examples more recent. I mean, even organized crime, the old fashioned organized crime, the mafiosi in Italy and in America, they thought of themselves as gentlemen because of the way that they dealt with conflict resolution, that it wasn't just complete chaos and utter anarchy. They held themselves to a code of honor. Now, we might disagree that they themselves were gentlemen, but there is room for, for the ability to deal with conflict within a set of gentlemanly parameters. In fact, it is very, very important for the gentleman to know how to conduct himself within conflict or conflict resolution and being able to deal with things like other people not being gentlemanly and how to be successful in spite of that. Well said. So, Leah, any thoughts? Uh, I wrote that article that I asked your opinion on, Zachary, about whether or not nice guys actually do finish last, and it turns out they don't. (laughs) The media wants you to think that they do, because the media wants to uphold this concept of toxic masculinity that has ruined many a life. You know, a lot of men will say, women are always like the bad boy. And I think it was you that said interest in the bad boy is shallow because he's not long-term. The gentleman is long-term. So from a woman's point of view, have I ever been attracted to a bad boy? Probably. I don't, nothing really springs to mind, but (laughs) having said that, at, at least at this point in my life, I have no interest in bad boys. I like to think that sure would be nice to be treated with respect and kindness and empathy by a well-dressed gent. Those are the guys that have the long term. The gentleman has staying power. That's ultimately what women want. Of course, I'm only one woman. The man with substance, the gentleman, is the one that takes the prize long term. We cannot but wholeheartedly agree with that statement here in The Perfect Gentleman. What's interesting is coming through all the way through this is is how, and Brian first mentioned it, is the bete noir of the media and how the media controls public image of things. I'll tell you a small anecdote on our side of things. I remember we had a meeting about a television show that we were pitching to a broadcaster and we got through quite a series of meetings and ended up having this big debate with the producers basically because they wanted to make it quite trashy, quite reality TV-esque, very disparaging of what we tried to do and I sort of pulled the plug on that because I said well that's not what we do we don't disparage people we don't look down on people that's not how we operate is there ways that we our six can change it do we need sort of root and branch shift out the media do you think the, the digital media age will change that I think it's already started that digital media is supplanting legacy media or traditional media and upending all of those types of things and that's why we're seeing from politics to the media, this explosion of toxic masculinity, toxic everything, really, because it's the look at me, look at me, look at me thing that's going on, because most people, the younger people, aren't looking at traditional legacy media anymore. They're looking at digital media. They're looking at uh, their friends creating content and not some professional in Hollywood telling them what's what. That's really where things are going to start to change. It's still the Wild West, though, on the web, though, and clickbaity things still get traction. That's because of the new nature of the internet's not an adult yet. It's still a teenager. Once uh, I think we get past that, we'll be able to see more groups like ours and that start to gain traction. That's a piggyback off Brian's comment about the internet not being adult. Most adults these days are not adults. They're still teenagers and 
the way that they think and view the world. Uh, I'm no better than anyone else. Most of the people that have grown up in a certain diaspora, grown up in a certain genre, have difficulty and are grappling with what this newness is. When you have that difficulty of push and pull against this newness versus what's not so new, sometimes you get confusion. So the older set is confused and, well, should I be doing this? And should I be 65 and on Facebook? Because that's the fastest growing segment, apparently. And then you have a younger set who doesn't know how to hold a conversation because they are on Snapchat and they're on this social media platform. All of that said, all of that was standing. My point is that the change happens at home. It happens when we wake up in the morning and take our kids to school. It happens when we're at lunch with a business partner. It happens when we're at dinner with our significant other. It happens at home first and in our daily interactions. And in my estimation, if everyone's daily interaction gets 1% better on a regular basis, then the world will get better as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah, 100% agree with that. There's an interesting idea that Seth Gordon, who's a business writer, has, and there's lots of holes you can pick in his arguments generally. One of the things he talks about is part of the effects of the internet and of the democratisation of culture and of, of opening up the production of cultural artefacts to more people is this ability to connect with like-minded tribes. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, if we were wanting to have this conversation, the chances of us being able to meet each other, living as we do in, in lots of different places, would have been minimal. And the ability for us to talk to like-minded people elsewhere would have been minimal. But because we have these new tools, they're not really that new anymore, but because we have this access to this, this tribe of people who want to live in a world more like the world that we want and who share our views... I think that gives us a really great opportunity, showing that by behaving in a gentlemanly way and by acting in accordance with those beliefs, I think we can have a bigger in impact than we might otherwise think. I feel quite positive about it. So I was just going to add that something we can do is champion and sort of espouse the idea that even though in this day and age, society does not get to impose a set of rules and a particular role on you, uh, it doesn't mean that, that a traditional sort of set of values or roles is something you can't choose and uh, that can be a good thing. I think that's one of the major things that people are struggling with, that because we've been increasingly telling people that they don't have to uh, abide being sort of one particular way or another, that they can choose their gender, the way that they are, or the way that they behave, that the way that they used to be is somehow bad. You know, the, this, this sort of um, attack against masculinity we've discussed for me, being a gentleman and being a protector, a provider or a warrior is something that fulfills me and I think is a positive thing. Once again, to echo the idea that it is a personal journey, we can let other people know that that's the case and that they can pick the kind of person that they want to be. I like this podcast. It's becoming one of my favorite already. <laughs> I'm conscious of time and everyone's time and, and I want to uh, wrap up because I think it's been quite pithy and quite powerful and have a little bit of fun to end this up. So um, in the journey of knighthood from a page to a squire to a knight, squires were supposed to master the seven points of agility, the seven agilities to become a knight. In historical times, medieval times, these agilities were riding, swimming, archery, climbing, wrestling, fencing, and dancing. All of those, and especially dancing, not always so well, well done by young men today. Apart from dancing, which we want to keep as one of the seven agilities, what other agilities 
would you add, or what other skills would you add that the modern gentleman, the modern knight should have? Mindfulness, being mindful, being able to be conscious of their surroundings, of other people's feelings, behaviors, not being focused on themselves as much as being conscious. And uh, the definition that I use in my class on it is paying attention on purpose. It's so easily to be distracted today in today's society. Uh, I like that very much. So who wants the next one? It's interesting that fencing is in there. Fencing being the root word of offence and defence. And I think the ability to look after yourself and to look after those around you is very important. And that doesn't necessarily mean just fighting and things like that, but knowing about how to, to maintain your life, how to run your life. The way the army call it, often personal administration. So being able to manage things like your finances, your home, your kitchen, all of those things so that you can manage your life and live your life properly. Defend yourself from those stresses and problems out in the world. I think that's really important. This is interesting because uh, at least three of these I have personal experience with because I had to complete them before I graduated from college. So I went to a military school. In order to graduate, every student, we had to pass boxing, wrestling, and swimming. Two of those I passed rather easily. Swimming, I'm not the best swimmer, so I did pass, obviously, because I graduated. Uh, and we also had to pass public speaking. That was one of the non-physical courses that we had to pass in order to graduate. So I have personal experience with having to have essentials in your life, the art of protecting yourself, the art of saving yourself in the water, and the art of being able to speak in front of people without fearing that you're going to die. That being said, one of the things that I would say to add to that list would be the art of the compliment. It is extremely difficult for most men these days to give a compliment. And it's also extremely difficult for most men these days to receive a compliment properly. So I try on a regular basis to give the people in my life that I love and care about uh, a compliment on a daily basis. Doesn't always happen, but receiving a compliment is extremely difficult as well. So the art of giving and receiving a compliment, I think, should be added to that list of essentials in order to achieve knighthood or gentlemanlyhood. I like that one, Grant. We should make a list and petition to the military academies that they should put dancing back on that list. Well, most fencing instructors would say, never give a sword to a man who can't dance. <laughs> well, we did have grand ball where everyone had to wear white. Another thing that we did go through was uh, table manners. Every senior had to eat dinner with the superintendent and his wife and going through a several course meal, which I believe should be instituted in some sort of way in our preparatory schools. Some exposure uh, to that, I think, would help greatly. James and I have had this discussion many times. The only time you really ever find the skills taught these days is in military schools or in the military. You don't tend to find it outside that. Dre, what's your addition to the agilities? For me, it's really important that sort of the modern gentleman be an effective gentleman for what he's trying to improve the world with to actually happen. And I think the most important uh, skill set that needs to be learned, or at least it was for me, is what I call seduction. Now, the word seduction has got negative connotations, but what I mean by that word is the ability to make someone else excited about a particular concept or idea or thing that you think is a good thing and to, to win them over and not sort of be left fighting, you know, constantly for your opinion or a project or, you know, even romantic desires to uh, be reciprocated. And the only way to be effective is to be able to communicate passion. And uh, sometimes I use the sentence to speak to another man or woman in their language. 
as opposed to talking at them with what you think is good. I like that very much. I think it's very good. In fact, there was two articles we posted this week, predominantly about romance, about how uh, we found the lost art of flirting and women are bemoaning the fact that, that men can't communicate and seduce anymore verbally. Everyone's so obsessed with those apps that you swipe. I shall say no more. <laughs> Last but not no means least, Leah, what would you add to a list of agilities? Everyone has such juicy points. I agree with all of them. I think that it would be really awesome if more gentlemen were more self-aware and that means not being afraid to be themselves, not being afraid to express themselves, not being afraid to understand themselves and take the time to understand themselves. I think that if they were more expressive of themselves, they would dress better. And of course, that's something that I do all the time when I'm working with my clients is trying to understand who they are as characters and as people and interpret those characteristics through the clothing so that he feels more comfortable and more authentic and more confident. I don't think everyone is comfortable doing that. People are afraid of themselves, afraid to get to know themselves, which I think is really a shame. I think that expression will also come through, not only through the clothing, but also through behavior. As some of you may know, I worked with over 100 models this season for Toronto Men's Fashion Week, so I was around a lot of men and I got to know a lot of them. I found that, and I can't speak for everyone, but I think that with these young guys, a lot of them are already very aware of their behavior. They're very aware of how they come across to people and also how people uh, respond to them. And this, and this kind of self-awareness is really important when we're trying to meet people and hopefully get people on our side, get people to like us. We have to be aware of ourselves for that. Like Brian said, being mindful. I think that the that being mindful of yourself, being self-aware and being expressive of your true self is something that needs to be revisited. Thank you very much. I will add my last agility, which is the skill of knowledge, or what I refer to constantly as the skill of constant, never-ending improvement and learning. I think that's the one thing that we all strive for, all my colleagues on the podcast do, is keep learning, keep growing, keep improving yourselves, because we are never the finished article, and though the company is called The Perfect Gentleman, we never say we are. It is always a journey to be one. And on that note, I think I'm going to wrap up this lovely conversation because I think we could go on for hours talking about how wonderful it is to be a gentleman and hopefully we'll convince some of you out there. Brian, Leah, Grant, Dre, James, I thank you all for your time today. It's been a pleasure having you on board. I look forward to our next conversation with great glee. And, uh, hopefully maybe we'll talk about romance next time. That will challenge all of us a little bit more, I think. So thank you, Leah. You're welcome. Nice to be here. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, Grant. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Dre. Thank you for having us, Zach. And thank you, James. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. It's been a lot of fun. So if you want to get hold of us, please find us on social media. We are The Perfect Gentleman all over the place. And if you want to drop us an email, please drop us at inquiries at theperfectgentleman.tv. We look forward to seeing you on another podcast where James and I will be endeavouring to educate you further on all aspects of these agilities that we've just discussed. Goodbye. This podcast is brought to you by The Perfect Gentleman Group Limited and was edited by Andy Nichol at the Pistachio Palace.